welcome to the All Around Joe podcast, where we optimize your shooting performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All Around Joe podcast, I'm going to be talking about the muscles that make a big difference in your training and that you're probably avoiding. And how do I know this? Because I work with athletes every single day and have seen the common injuries that they come up with and the things that we have to do in our warm-ups, in our cool-downs, in our everyday activities in order to not only optimize your performance levels, but also to keep you injury free. So some of the things that we commonly see have to do with core rotator cuff, glutes, grip, and something that we call butt wink. And I'm going to dig deep into those and give you some exercises that you can do if you feel like you're the type of person that has some of these things potentially coming up or they could make your performance better. But first, I want to get into talking about a couple partners that I have on this podcast because they're what helped me to keep this podcast going. So the first partner that I want to talk about is Perfect Amino by Body Health. Now, Perfect Amino is an amino acid supplement that I take every single day. I actually take it about three or four times a day, and I've been taking it for a couple of years now. When I was doing a bunch of testing and realizing that my body was not digesting amino acids properly, I was turned on to Perfect Amino by Body Health. And what happened is I immediately started recovering faster from my workouts. And now I would say that I recover about 75% faster, or let's say I'm 75% less sore than I would be if I do not take them or if I take a conventional whey protein shake like most people are told to take. So if you want to be less sore, you should check out Perfect Amino. You can go to allaroundjoe.com slash perfectamino, and that will take you directly to their site, and you can use the code all around Joe that they've given me to share with you to get 10% off. The other partner that I want to talk about that I talk about frequently is Inside Tracker. And at insidetracker.com, what is Inside Tracker and why do I think Inside Tracker is the best thing that I've done for my health and nutrition and performance in the last 10 years? Inside Tracker, what they do is take a blood test, which only takes you know, 10 or 15 minutes. It's super easy. You can do it at your hometown. You don't have to do anything that's crazy or anything like that. But they take a blood test and they take the blood markers that they get from that information and they tell you what foods, supplements, and lifestyle choices you should make in order to optimize yourself. So you could go in and say that I want to get better performance or strength or just want to feel better. And then they will optimize your blood markers and give you or give you the optimized food, nutrition, and lifestyle to get you to your goal faster. And what I have learned is that you just cannot figure out what you need to be doing unless you're testing what's going on on the inside. Because even myself, who has been trying to test everything for the last gosh, 15 plus years now, could not figure this out on my own. I went down the road of thinking that I needed to eat a lot of red meat because I thought it made me feel good and it was actually poisoning me by giving me too much stored iron. Once I eliminated that, I immediately dropped about 10 pounds, leaned up and had more energy. So simple blood testing is the way to go and I think Inside Tracker at InsideTracker.com is something that you should also check out. You can also go to my personal Inside Tracker page at allaroundjoe.com slash Inside Tracker and make sure you use the code allaroundjoe to get yourself a discount on any of their plans. I usually do the ultimate plan because why not test as much as we possibly can, right? 
All right, those are my partners, and we are gonna get into the small muscles that make a big difference and that you are probably avoiding. Now, this question or this topic came in from my man, Nate Robbins, who I see on a regular basis and who is crushing it in the real estate game, but he's also getting after it in the fitness game, and he asked me if I could do a podcast on this particular topic. So, Nate, nice work, man, keep up. Keep it up and let me know if there's anything else that I can help you with. So let's jump into this. These are, in my opinion, the small muscle groups that are going to make the biggest difference or the things that people I see ignoring on a regular basis or getting injured and then having to recover through these particular things. The first thing that I want to talk about, and you guys have probably all heard about this, but I still hear people getting confused on this on a regular basis. So core is the first topic or subject in the small muscle groups that people usually are avoiding. Core is usually thought of as the people that or the in the people that I run into as the abs. And what is really happening is yes, are the abs part of the core? They are. But there is an inner abdominal muscle called the transverse abdominus that works like a weight belt. And if that muscle is not trained or utilized properly when you're exercising, you're going to put your back or your spine in harm's way. And a lot of people do not know how to activate their core properly, or even if they do know how to activate it properly, they don't know how to make it strong enough so that they are actually supporting their, their back while they're doing activities. Something that you can do and that you should think about doing at any particular time are these exercises for your core because in my opinion you really cannot have your core strong enough so you may as well be doing these exercises on a regular basis and I know a lot of people that are doing them on pretty much every single day that they go into the gym especially once you've had an injury and I've had a back injury before so I've gone through a lot of this stuff if you had an injury then you are able to appreciate these things just a little bit more the exercises that I would recommend for you in order to strengthen your core and become more aware, number one, dead bugs. And you can imagine yourself lying on your back like a dead bug, and then you move your hands or your legs and your arms independently of each other while trying to keep the core engaged so you're not flopping all around. And I'm going to put some videos to these things at the show notes. So if you want to head over and see visuals, if you're a visual person, go to allaroundjoe.com slash 124. That's allaroundjoe.com slash 124. And you can check out videos of things like the dead bug and the other things that I'm going to be talking about here. So, But the dead bug is laying on your back like a dead bug and pretty much using, moving your limbs around where your core is staying engaged. It's not necessarily supposed to be hard, but you're supposed to feel it in your inner abdominal muscles doing the work. Next up, planks of all kinds. So planks are awesome. And even, I I feel like planks get a bad, bad rap because people will be training themselves and doing crunches and doing toes to bar and doing GHDs in order to get their abs to pop out. And yes, do your abs get some workout when you're doing those? They do. But if you actually measure the amount of stimulation that the muscles or the abdominal muscles are getting, they get the most when they're in a plank position. So they're stabilizing muscles. They're not necessarily designed or, you know, they're designed to do all kinds of stuff, but they get the most bang for the buck out of stabilization. So you want to put yourself in a crazy stabilization positions if you actually want to, number one, strengthen your core, your inner abdominal muscles, but then also strengthen your exterior abdominal muscles like your the six-pack abs that you're looking to have. Some of the ways that you can do planks or do more with your planks is, number one, just on your hands, like you're about ready to start a push-up. But in this case, put your hands underneath your shoulders, and that would be your first 
start, make sure that you suck in your core tightly or slightly so that you feel that your core is being tightened. Also squeeze your glutes so that can help to keep your body completely stabilized. You can move your planks into on the elbow position. So dropping down to the elbows so you're on your toes and your elbows. You could even be on your knees and your elbows if you wanted to if your core was having that much trouble. And if you find that that is hard for you or you feel like you're shaking when you're even doing that, then that means that you need to do this a lot. So this is for you. So like I said, you're on your elbows, then you can move to side planks on your arms or on your elbows, and then you can do moving planks. So imagine that you're on your arms and you take a leg off the ground and you start moving it around or you hold it with it off the ground or you take an arm off the ground or you go to your elbows and you take an arm off the ground or you take a leg off the ground and you take one of each off the ground or you move them from stretching one out stretching the other one out, stretching them out at the both times, but you wanna make sure that the core stays engaged and is not flopping around the whole time. The whole directive of this is to keep that core stimulated and totally engaged the whole time. And lastly, if you're getting more and more advanced, you can do weighted planks where you'll have some sort of weight that's put on your body. And I would only recommend really doing these if you are crushing your planks and you need more and more stimulation for them because then you could do the weighted planks with the weight on your back and then start moving around your limbs because then at that point you're a complete badass so you can move yourself up in that and i do recommend doing it and this is a great way to put these exercises into your warm-up on a daily basis when you hit the gym so core is the first most important thing. It's going to keep your back safe. It's going to help you distribute power better from your limbs through your core to your other set of limbs. So from legs to core to upper body, think things like thrusters or even squats or pull-ups, all these kinds of things that are utilizing your whole body, which is what most of the movements that we're doing anyway. So you should have a great, strong, super awesome core. Next up, we're going to be talking about the shoulders or usually people, you hear them talk about the rotator cuff, which is the group of muscles that's basically sitting back near your scapula there. And that's kind of the buzzword is I tore my rotator cuff, but there's several rotator cuff muscles. So they don't really know usually which one they tore, but they're a group of muscles that need to be engaged and helping your shoulder to move effectively. If they're stuck or they're, you're not getting worked if enough, then you're going to have issues with your shoulders because they're, it's a very complex joint and it moves in all different ranges of motion. So you want to have all of those muscles working in harmony if you want to have a healthy joint and muscles and also to be as strong as possible. You know, it's like if you're going to go out and try and have your shoulders press or your major shoulder muscle, your deltoid press as much as possible, don't you think that the stabilizer muscles around it are going to be hugely impactful in how much weight you're going to press? They are, but a lot of people take them for granted. So some of the exercises that I think you should be doing on a regular basis in order to improve the rotator cuff muscles are just internal and external rotations with bands, right? So you just keep your shoulder or your, excuse me, your elbow tucked into your body, shoulder down, and just externally or internally rotating the lower arm. You can do those on a regular basis just to really get a stimulation in those particular muscles and you can do them in all different ranges of motion. So like imagine that you start with your elbow close to your body or your rib cage and then you move the elbow away but you continue doing the external and internal rotations throughout all these different ranges of motion. Again, make sure that your core is tight and stabilizing your body as you're doing these. Very important. That core just going to come back over and over and over again. 
Next up, waiters carries with kettlebells. So this would be like you take a kettlebell, imagine just taking a really light kettlebell and you flip it upside down. So you're holding it from the handle, but the bell or the, the round part of the kettlebell is up in the air and you're stabilizing it or you're balancing it. A lot of times you'll start off by just having a 90 degree angle at your elbow as you're doing this and then trying to hold the kettlebell there and then you could start walking. So you start adding these little variables that are going to make it harder. So walk around as you're doing this like a waiter would carrying a tray of food. And then you can start moving around your ranges of motion. So extending or moving your shoulder positioning or your elbow positioning as it relates to your body. So have it closer to your chest or further away from your chest. And then if you want to get really crazy, you can start to do actual presses. So waiters carries presses with the kettlebell. So you'd actually do a shoulder press where you're holding it in that stabilization position and then pressing it up over your head. You could do one arm at a time. You could do two arms at a time. You'll find usually that one is better than the other. And if one is better than the other, then you're going to need a little bit more work on the one that is not as good. But doing these little stabilization things like that and increasing the weight when you have the stability in order to do it are going to make your shoulders more healthy, number one, but then also you're going to get stronger, number two, and you're just going to notice that things feel better. They flow better. Try doing these internal external rotations, waiters, carries a couple times a week and see where you're at and your shoulders will be healthier than they were before doing this. Next up, glutes. And you don't really usually think of glutes as a small muscle, but so many people do not know how to effectively contract their glutes that I am thinking of as a muscle that you're probably not using rather than a small muscle. Because most times people sit during their day, and if you sit for a large portion of your day, then because of the flexion at the hip, your glute muscle is lengthened and it doesn't usually know how to contract effectively. One of the major ways that I've been able to contract or utilize my glutes or get a awareness of my glutes is by doing having a standing desk. So I'm not sitting. So I'll try and spend at least 75% of my day standing when I'm doing work rather than sitting. And just doing that makes your body feel so much better. But keep in mind that it might take a few months of standing for shorter durations of time in order to get your body used to standing all day, especially if you've been spending the last few years long days sitting. It's not going to feel normal to stand all day, but it will make a huge difference in how how much better you feel. And I think there's even been some studies done as far as like hormonal things that will improve your spending more time standing rather than sitting. I know that there's stuff around posture, right? Like if you are in a power position, it shows that they've been shown to have better sex hormones so that you feel better, you feel more aggressive, you feel like you're more motivated when you're in those certain positions. So it is always a good idea to be standing rather than sitting unless you've been standing or working out or something so you're totally just crushed yourself and you need to have that recovery time. But regular basis type of thing for your work, you know, spending eight, 10 hours a day sitting, not very good for you, totally turns off your glutes. Most people have this though. So if you can turn on this huge muscle group like your glutes, then you're going to be way more effective in almost everything but a bicep curl (laughs) or some really crazy isolation movements. But if you do any kind of sports at all, this is going to improve. If you do, you know, walking, it's going to improve your walking. It's going to improve things like knee pain for people, hip pain, uh, because a lot of times if the glute's not firing effectively, then it's going to cause other muscles to have to overwork. And if they overwork, then it's going to cause pain eventually at that particular joint. So here's some exercises that I recommend doing in order to get those glutes 
firing up. So these are above and beyond the things that, you know, actually going to work glutes from a big, like macro standpoint, like a deadlift or a squat. And although we are going to get into that a little bit, I'm talking about more things that are going to be isolating the glutes or what I've found to turn them on more so that you can have the proprioceptive feeling of the actual muscle doing work. And then you can initiate that muscle when you're doing other things, which is going to make your life easier. So the first thing for the glutes is going to be a single leg deadlift with an opposite side loading. And you don't even have to load to start this one. Just take your balance on one leg, hinge at the hip. So you feel like you're pressing your butt back towards the wall behind you. So the weight shifts to your heel. Then you're going to hinge at the hip as long as you can until your back, you start to feel your back curve or you stop before that happens. So you should have your back stay in a neutral spine the whole time. You have to feel like you're a complete robot. And the way that I like to do this as well is you take the leg that is off the ground and it hinges with your upper body. So as your chest gets lower to the ground, your your foot that's off the ground is coming up behind you off of the ground. And so you imagine that you're hinging at your hip. If you start loading, one thing that you can do because of range of motion issues is you put a kettlebell up on a bench or some sort of... Uh, ledge or step so that when you bend over to pick it up, you're not having to get it all the way down to the ground because sometimes, and a lot of times actually, people don't have the range of motion to keep their back flat to get getting all the way down to the ground. And I didn't when I first started doing this one either. And you work up to that and get more comfortable with allowing your glute to release and your hamstring to release to get down to the bottom, learning how to bend your knee a little bit. But for this For this singular case, we're just going to be hinging at our hips with a slightly or athletic bend in our knee. And like I said, you start totally standing up straight and then you take one foot off of the ground. You're going to make sure that your toes are planted. Then you're going to shift your butt back, back, back with your chest up, up, up until you get as far down as you can to the point where your back feels like it's going to need to bend to go any further. And then you squeeze your butt and you return to the top. Okay. I recommend doing these at least 10 reps on each side so that you can start to feel that burn in the glute. And like I said, if you need to, you can load the opposite arm to the leg that's on the ground, and that will give you more stimulation, but you can only or should only do that if you're able to keep your body completely in line like a robot without any back bend, without any twisting at the waist or from the foot or from the upper body. You should be completely robotic when you're doing this. Great exercise, though. I use this one probably every other day that I'm working out. And if I'm going to do squats or deadlifts or even some sort of an Olympic movement that I need to be explosive, I'll just do a couple of sets of this, like two sets of 10 with a lightweight to get the glutes turned on. And then when you have to start moving more explosively or more powerfully, the glutes are such a major prime mover that you're going to thank me for having you do this. Next up for the glutes are lying hip extensions. So this would be lying on your back with your head facing up and your knees bent. So your lower leg is perpendicular to the floor, and then you're just going to do a hip thrust, or you're going to extend your hips so that your glutes get squeezed to get up to that straight hip position, okay? Like I said, if you need videos for this, check out allaroundjoe.com slash 124. That's allaroundjoe.com slash 124, and I'll put some videos alongside all of these things, but you can use your imagination. I'm thinking or hoping that you're able to interpret what I'm saying here. So you're lying on your back, flat on your back, knees bent, butt still on the ground, 
lower leg is perpendicular to the floor. You press through your heels until your glutes or your hips come up so that you are in a straight line from your knees to your hips to your shoulders. And at that point, only your feet and your shoulders are on the ground. And then you return back to the ground and you just go up and down with this hip thrusting position. You want to make sure that your core is engaged when, as you do this. And you can actually do this in a few different ways. One way is just to do it with two legs on the ground, but as you get more advanced, you can take one foot off of the ground or one leg off of the ground, and then you can just do one at a time, and that will give you even more stimulation, but you want to make sure that you're able to control your core as you're doing this. And you can do different variations, so like if you're trying to get your glutes to work faster, you can really try and thrust harder, you know, like you're being incredibly explosive with this with one leg or two legs. So these are some cool things to play with when you're gonna do something explosive after you've already gone through and made sure that your glutes are contracting effectively. So make sure that you are absolutely paying attention to your glutes because those guys are gonna be so, so important when doing, when trying to be any type of athlete or just be good at any type of sport or being good at CrossFit or whatever. The people with the best most active glutes usually win and core core and glutes core and glutes core and glutes those are what you want core and glutes did i say that core and glutes next up grip so a lot of times i find that people are having to stop what they're doing with their movements because their grip is going and grip is something that you can work on really easily but people don't they think of like oh i have one of those hand squeeze things that i've seen people have at their office which is great if you use it and those things actually do work because the idea is that you're trying to flush your forearms or your hands with the byproducts or the lactic acid so that your body gets better at flushing that out of that area one way that i like to do that is just hanging so hop up on a pull-up bar and hang there and try and accumulate a certain amount of time it could start with uh, a minute and you don't have to stay up there for a minute great if you can but let's say you start with the first week you're going to try and hang for a minute you make it 30 seconds on the first set then you shake it out for a little bit you hop back up you make it 20 seconds you shake it out you hop back up you make it 10 seconds and you're at a minute so you could do that where you're only counting the amount of time that you're hanging and you could build yourself up to let's say five minutes ten minutes and that will make a huge difference. You can try changing the grip position so you could have the grip facing you or internally rotated or externally rotated grip or switch grip even. And all of those things will make slight differences. So hanging is one of my favorites. And one that I didn't put on my list, but I'm going to add it to here is actually I tease people about this. But you want to improve your grip strength, give people more back rubs because that will initiate that contraction of those forearm and hand muscles over and over and over again and you will guarantee you will see that in your workouts and having good grip strength will transfer into all kinds of different lifts all right if you want to have a big deadlift you want to have a big press you want to have a big pull you want to have a big clean you want to have a big snatch if your grip is stronger and you're able to transfer power from your hands to your arms more effectively, it's easier for you, then those lifts are gonna feel easier. And if they feel easier, you're gonna be able to do more weight. Another form of grip exercise is the suitcase carry. So this one is kind of fun because it's a core exercise as well as a grip exercise. Just pick up a dumbbell or kettlebell, try and keep your body or your shoulders completely level, and then go walk around the gym. Simple as that. Just like you're carrying a suitcase, but what you 
need to make sure and do is that if you feel or see your shoulder that's holding the weight starting to dip, then you need to either adjust it or you need to end the set right there because you want to be training your body in these really nice positions. And that's the idea of this is you get to you get to utilize grip strength as well as training your core, which is going to make you a badass at grip and at core. So that's a great one, a suitcase carry. So let's say you do accumulate, like I said uh, before, a minute, or you could do for distance on this one, like you're trying to accumulate 400 meters total and you have to switch equally between hands. That would be a great one. <clears throat> Another fun one is uh, farmer's carry, which actually farmer's carry might become before suitcase carry, but I like the idea of the suitcase carry because it's the core and the grip that's getting some work there. But the farmer's carry is essentially you just pick up two dumbbells or kettlebells, both hands, and then you walk around like farmer. <laughs> so you're going to farmer's carry for a certain amount of distance usually, so 400 meters, 800 meters, whatever that may be, and you're again, you're going to try and keep your body in a completely neutral spine position, shoulders back, chest up, all that fun stuff, so that you are not letting anything slouch or putting yourself in bad positions as you're doing that. That's going to also work your core a little bit as well because you're loading it and it's going to make a huge difference on your grip. So all of these things, these little linear progressions are going to make a huge difference. So last thing I want to talk about that I feel like gets neglected a lot, unfortunately. I mean, even at my gym, I'm trying to get all of our coaches to identify this and call people out and help them when they're doing this. So it's the butt wink. It's the position when you drop down in the bottom of your squat and you see the person's hips or butt rotate down towards the ground. So the spine is essentially flexing as they get down towards the bottom of the position there. And the reason for that is usually, number one, either just a lack of awareness, so they don't realize they're doing it or know how to cue their body to not do it or to stay in a neutral spine or is that they have some sort of tight muscle group that is causing that position to get pulled into the quote-unquote butt wink. It's really important though because having your spine in a bad position when you're at the bottom of a heavy back squat is very detrimental to your spine. You want to be able to utilize the most power possible, which is being in a neutral spine, but then also you want to keep yourself from injury, which nobody wants a back injury. And if you're loading yourself and putting your spine in a bad position, that's maybe not a back injury today or tomorrow or even next year, but it could be down the line. So there's two major reasons why you wouldn't want to have this happen. And it's our job as coaches and yourself, if you don't have a coach, or even if you do have a coach, it's your job to identify this and work on it because you're going to be more healthy, better athlete because of it. So some things that you can do in order to eliminate this butt wink is pull yourself down in the squat. And a lot of people have a hard time imagining this because gravity is taking us down. So why should I utilize muscles in order to help gravity get us down to the bottom? But your hip flexors, which are the tops of your quads or the, the place where your, your hip bones are in the front, let's imagine that, or a little bit lower than that. Um, those guys, if you contract them, so you bend at the hips as you go down, but you're contracting those muscles, will actually send a signal to the muscles of the back end there, so the hamstrings, the glutes, to relax. And a lot of times it is a flexibility issue 
or a lengthening issue, not being able to lengthen the hamstrings, the glutes, or the calves enough in order to get ourselves in those positions. So if, we're, if we pull ourselves down, sometimes we can just do that and it will get us into a good position. I know I've been playing with that myself for a long time and I'll utilize it to a, a very effective degree. So that's the first thing that I try and get people to do is pull themselves down to the bottom of their squat. The next thing you can do and think about is push your knees out while gripping the ground with your toes. So you wanna make sure that your feet are usually between 8 and 15 degrees of external rotation, and everybody's width is going to be a little bit different. But you want to have your feet in a pretty forward-facing, you know, eight, like I said, 8 to 15 degree external rotation. So that's still pretty forward-facing toes. Then if they stay in there and you grip the toes with the, on the ground, then your knees press out and it's going to create torque at your hip. And having that position with the torque at your hips can also give us more space in the hips at times so that we can get our spine into a better position at the bottom of our squat. So that's the second thing that you can think about. Third thing is just simply chest up. Sometimes people don't realize that if they keep their chest up, it will keep their core or their lower back in a good position, keep you from butt winking. Uh, next up is keeping a neutral spine, which is what we're trying to do, um, through extending your lower back. So as long as you're not hyper extending your lower back, meaning like, sticking your chest so far up that your back feels like it has that curve in it. You want to go down and as you go down, you feel like you're pushing yourself into that position as you get to the bottom. And a lot of times people who are butt winking do not have the flexibility in order to actually get themselves into a hyperextended position. So feeling like they're getting themselves in a hyperextended position when they hit the bottom will keep them in an actual neutral spine position and it will be all good. So, but you have to have feedback, videotape, mirrors, whatever it may be in order to have, or like feedback, I guess that's coach. So feedback from a coach in order to tell you if that is being effective for you or if it's not being effective. So make sure that you are asking people or videotaping your, yourself in order to see if this is happening. Then to address the mobility issues that you may be having that are pulling yourself or keeping you from being able to pull into a good position and causing you to butt wink, are you could try doing some hamstring stretches, could be active range of motion hamstring stretches, um, like what do they call when you kick your, you stick out straight hands and you kick your toes, so like the Frankensteins, I think they're called. Um, any kind of just like air squats is actually an active range of motion, so get yourself nice and warmed up, and then really try and pull yourself down on the bottom of the squat and push out of it so that you're getting those hamstrings and calves to be engaged and pulling into a position without load that is going to be <clears throat> closer and closer to neutral spine. So this is a good one to do without load so that you're sitting in front of a mirror and you can see what your butt is doing and you pull yourself down and see if you can get to the point where your hip crease is below the top of your knee, which is a standard bottom position for a CrossFit athlete without your back flattening out or going into a flex position, aka butt wink. The next thing is stretching the calves, same as the hamstrings. You could do for dynamic stretching or you could just do static stretching. So the one thing that I try and avoid with static stretching, especially before training, is that if you static stretch for too long before training, then it's going to actually inhibit the contraction ability of that particular muscle group. So if you hold a calf stretch for you know three minutes, it may give you that range of motion, and that may be good, that may be what you want, but it's not gonna have it's not gonna help that muscle. It's actually gonna turn that muscle off a little bit. So you have to weigh your options. You know, I would rather get to the bottom of a squat with a clean and good neutral spine, but have my hamstrings not be turned on 
quite as much as they would have because of the static stretching that I did. And I'll have to reteach them how to be able to turn on and be in that length and position in a good contracted state in the future as I go. Um, and that would be more advantageous to me than having this butt wink position. As you're working through this, it's also important to know that let's say that you can get yourself to a three quarter squat and then you start to have your back roll forward or roll into that flex position, AKA butt wink. Um, it is more, or it's going to be safer for you and better for you to go to the right to the bottom of that position, even though it may not be a full squat by CrossFit standards stop yourself and then go back up until you can get yourself into that clean position that is a full squat by CrossFit standards. So do not load yourself up and then allow yourself to butt wink and go into that full squat just because you think you need to get it done because that is going to put yourself in harm's way. Do these things, work on it, get coaches help with this and watch the videos that I have on this particular episode at allinjo.com slash 124 and ask questions if you have them because you do not want to be the type of person that goes into a, a, another gym or or hurt yourself down the line. I was going to say go into another gym and have someone see that you have bad squat position. You don't want to have squat bad squat position. You should be getting this taken care of. Last thing I want to talk about is reps uh, for each one of these exercises that I asked you to do. So if you're doing planks, you know, you just want to go to the point where you're actually going to cause your body to make an adaptation. So if you're doing a plank, you know, try and shoot, start off with 30 second planks, you know, three sets of three sets of 30 second planks or three sets of one minute planks or three sets of two minute planks, and then start adding these little conditions to them that we talked about. And you can do those things, you know, I, I tend to say like, maybe you don't need to do them every single day. If you're working out five days a week, try and do them, you know, three of those five days a week. That would be a good, a good idea. And you can put it into your warm up, and it's a great way to get warmed up. And then with things like the waiters carries, you just have to start off with something, like I said, that's going to create a stimulus and then move on from there in order to make your body adapt. So if you're in the presses, you might do like three sets of 10. And I like to go 10 reps or above if you're going to actually be doing repetitions for these particular things because your body is going to be able to feel it a little bit more. You're going to learn the patterns a little bit better. So just think about three to five sets of 10 to start off with and then move yourself forward with that. And the you can change the intensity of things by obviously adding more reps, adding more weight, adding more sets. There are all these different factors. And I'm not here to necessarily program them for you, but you can just start off with three sets of 10 or three sets of 30 seconds or three sets of a minute, right? Wherever you're at at that particular time for this particular movement, just make sure that you're using really good technique. Check out the videos if you need to or videotape yourself and watch Instagram videos of people that are doing these particular things and using really good techniques so that you know what it is and what it is not. Okay, so that's what I have for the small muscle groups that make a big difference and that you're probably avoiding because I see a lot of athletes on a regular basis and these are the things that they're avoiding that they need to do in order to stay healthy, number one, and to get more performance gains, number two. They're super easy to do. Throw them in your warm-up. Have a good time. Let me know if you have any questions. You can drop the questions in the show notes, allaroundjoe.com slash 124, allaroundjoe.com slash 124. That's also where the videos are hidden. So if you guys like this podcast at all, I would really, really appreciate it if you give me a review on iTunes. You can go to allaroundjoe.com slash iTunes. Every five-star review that I get helps me to be seen by more people, and it's my mission, my mission to help as many people as I can with this health, fitness stuff, because I think that we do not have the education that we should have, and I can help you guys with that. So 
Give me an iTunes review, please. I really appreciate that. And share share the podcast with, you know, family, friends, whatever, if you think it will help them. I would really appreciate it. And as a thank you, you can always stop by over at allrounder.com slash top five and get a list of the top five supplements that I cannot live without. That's allaroundjoe.com slash top five for a list of the top five supplements that I can't live without, including discount codes for most of those supplements. So as always, hope this was beneficial for you guys and reach out in the comment section below. If you have any questions, I will definitely be there answering questions for you. The All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. I will see you on the next podcast.